Hi, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, I want to talk to you about Audrey Hepburn. To me, and probably to most others, Audrey Hepburn is best known as Holly Golightly, the iconic screen character she embodies for Breakfast at Tiffany's. I mean, the storyline, the beautiful dresses, Tiffany's, Mickey Rooney, and Audrey, this is just Hollywood at its best. And Audrey herself seemed so above Hollywood, so above anything normal. To me, she always seems a bit more elegant, a bit more sophisticated, even a bit more divine than any other character she was paired with on screen. So I want to dive into her life with you. And I must say, I found a lot of things that I was not aware of. So I hope this episode is as much a revelation to you as it was to me. So as they often say, everybody has their burden and hardships and you should never, ever judge a book by its cover. And when it comes to Audrey Hepburn, this is very true. I mean, her wonderful face, her eyes to stardom, her beautiful clothes, her elegant moves, her demeanor. You would not know that she really, really suffered as a kid and in her life. So she's actually not English and not American. She's Belgian from birth. Her father was a British tradesman and her mother was from Dutch nobility. It was the second marriage of Audrey's mother and her mother was called Ella van Hemstra. So Audrey actually has brothers and her parents, they met in the Dutch East Indies where they're both located. The Dutch East Indies was a Dutch colony that is today Indonesia. Ella was in Jakarta and her, together with her first husband and her two sons and Hepburn's father Joseph Rustin was in Semarang, the capital of central Java. And the two got married eventually in Batavia, so today's Jakarta, after Ella was divorced from her first husband. And I know that colonization is a really dark chapter in our European history, but still, to me, it is fascinating. That time frame when it was happening, where people were working, how they traveled back and forth, what kind of relationships were formed, it's really a world detached from our reality. It is very strange and fascinating, but a time that we should not be proud of. So those two, like Audrey's mom and dad, they returned to London and then later to Brussels, where Audrey was born. And her father was tasked with opening a office for a loan company he was working for. And Audrey really had a privileged upbringing. They had no money concerns because her mother was, as I said, of Dutch nobility. Her grandfather had like a huge estate, lots of money, lots of, you know, society footing. And they traveled a lot between London and Brussels, but also between Den Haag and Arnhem, where they actually had family. So she really was like an international well-to-do kid. And the hardest moment in Audrey's life, which brought me basically to tears, was when her father left the family suddenly when she was like six years old. Apparently, when you look at sources, um, when there was like a scene that was taking place, I could not find out what kind of scene that was. But he left the family and went back to London. And Audrey herself called that event the most traumatic event of my life. And I totally believe her. 
children are so dependent on both their parents, so I can only assume the heartbreak and heartache she must have felt and how traumatized it must have been for her to be abandoned by a parent. So Audrey moved back to Arnhem, to the estate of Ella's family, and was sent to Kent in England to receive private higher class education at a boarding school on her father's command. But then World War II came and life changed forever. First, though, I have to mention that both of Audrey's parents were supporting and collecting donations for the British Union of Fascists before they parted away and got divorced. And when Ella, so Audrey's mother, met Adolf Hitler, she wrote quite favorable articles about him, which basically sends shivers up and down my spine. So, World War II started, and Ella got Audrey back from the UK to Arnhem, because, remembering the history lessons, the Netherlands stayed neutral during World War I. And Ella was hoping the same would happen during World War II, and that they would come out of this war unscathed. Spoiler, nope, they didn't. They lived through German occupation for five long years, 1940 to 1945. And during this time, Audrey witnessed horrific and traumatic things. Her uncle, for example, was executed based on fault accusations to make a point because he was really prominent in Dutch society. So it was like newsworthy and everybody got to know about that. And her half-brother Ian, from her mother's first marriage, was deported to a labor camp. And she witnessed countless transportation trains of Dutch Jews to concentration camps and she remembers kids that were her age or younger stepping on the trains and she knew they were stepping into the train to death and it really touched her deeply and and must have traumatized her in a way and Audrey supported the underground movement the resistance by doing silent ballet performances collecting money and giving it to the underground movement and she was distributing underground papers and she was helping in a hospital that was kind of at the heart of the underground movement. And apparently her family also hit a British paratrooper. So I think that this already shows what kind of a human Audrey Happen was. She was kind, she was caring, she was always trying to do the right thing. She was like really a great human being, I think. But the worst of all was the famine of 1944, which I didn't know of. (laughs) So the Germans, in revenge for Dutch rebellion and railway blockages, reduced food and gas supplies. And the Dutch had to sort to bake breads, cakes or biscuits out of tulip bulbs because there was nothing to bake with. And tulip bulbs provided some kind of starch that could keep you alive and keep your body going. But by the end of the siege, Audrey was malnourished and she suffered from anemia, jaundice, edema and a very dangerous respiratory infection. The thing that saved her? Her mother got sent thousands of cigarettes from a former British lover and these cigarettes the mother could trade on the black market to get them medicine to save Audrey's life. Because all the properties and all the family fortune of Audrey's family had been destroyed and they had nothing left to their name. Nothing. They were penniless. So when the war was over, Audrey and her mom moved to Amsterdam and Audrey began training as a professional ballet dancer. She had started training before the war when she was still in boarding school in England and she had also 
danced a little bit in Arnhem before they were suffering from the occupation. And as I said before, she did like some performances because she was already pretty good before the war ended. And she then accepted a scholarship to a famous ballet school in Notting Hill in England. And during the time she supported herself with like part-time jobs as a model. But she eventually dropped ballet because she was told she would never ever make it as a prima ballerina. On the one hand, she was already too tall at 1 meter 70. And second of all, she had a very frail and very weak constitution due to the immense malnutrition that she suffered. And she was prone to illness. And she would probably not be able to deal with the stresses, both physically and mentally, that would come with being a prima ballerina. So she dropped it all together, which I think is a smart move. Why put in more time and effort into something that we'll never realize? And she completely focused her efforts on acting. And that is good for us, right? So she did some British movies and they were like minor roles, supporting roles. And then it was time for Monte Carlo Baby. And that is actually the name of a bilingual film from 1952 that was filmed in Monte Carlo. And it was then and there that luck struck for Audrey because writer Colette, the French novelist, stayed at the same hotel and she was so enamored with Audrey that she insisted Audrey should play Gigi on stage on Broadway. And for those of you who do not know that, Gigi is Colette's most famous novel. Audrey had never spoken on stage. She had been working as a chorus girl on the stage. She had appeared on stage but never spoken on stage. So she took extra elocution lessons for that. Just like, you know, her character, um, Eliza Doolittle and My Fair Lady, which I think is a really nice, you know, parallel. So she did those lessons and the production was a hit. Like she was a Broadway sensation. And she went on tour throughout the US with stops in Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Chicago, and amongst others, Los Angeles and San Francisco. So Audrey was already conquering the US. And that was basically her entry ticket to Hollywood. She was recommended to the producer of Roman Holiday. That was the first major movie that Audrey Hepburn starred in. And it was her eighth appearance on screen at all. And as I said before, the others were like smaller ones where she didn't say very much, you know, not a starring role. And it was Gregory Peck, her co-star in that movie, and a big name already, who opted out of being the only name above the title. And he wanted Audrey to be built alongside him and not like Audrey underneath the title, like introducing Audrey. Because he already felt and knew that she was going to be a star, that she would be the most famous one in that movie. And I love that. So for a Roman holiday, as I said before, the first major movie role, Audrey received an Academy Award, a BAFTA Award and a Golden Globe Award right away. And she signed a seven-picture deal with Paramount. And she negotiated even to have 12 months in between each movie to give her time for stage performances because she was in love with the stage. And after A Roman Holiday, her success continued seamlessly with hits like Sabrina, War and Peace, Funny Face and Nun Story, which I personally was very touched by. And of course, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Each movie showed another side of her, but she was always glamorous. She was always eternally elegant. She had style. She had looks even as a nun. She was like, she was Audrey, like the 
slender, emotional, very authentic Audrey. And all her appearances raised her profile as a style icon and star. And I think My Fair Lady is another highlight that if not seen yet, you need to see. It is just wonderful. Although in contrast to Breakfast at Tiffany's, where Audrey actually sang the songs, she was being dubbed for My Fair Lady and she was really fuming when she got to know that kind of deal. She thought that she would be singing as well, but she was dubbed by another actress and singer, which was deemed more appropriate for the role voice-wise. Again, this was a great success and she made some other movies in different genres, like How to Steal a Million, which I loved. Um, or my favorite, Robin and Marion, where Sean Connery and her play Robin Hood and Maid Marion at an older age. It is quite funny and probably the best of all Robin Hood movies, seriously. And I've seen them all and I love them all, but I love those two. They really have on-screen chemistry, although they're both like already grayish and have some wrinkles. But it's really fun, light, touching. Please, it's a recommendation from me. After that, she basically went into semi-retirement. She didn't do many movies after that. And her last appearance actually was a documentary about the gardens of the world, which was produced in seven different countries, I think. So all in all, she has a tremendously rich legacy, which boasts Academy Awards, BAFTA Awards, Tony Awards, Broadway successes, Hollywood blockbusters. She's the third greatest actress ever on the American Film Institute's 100 list and is one of the greatest female stars of all times. And her timeless style and elegance, much contributed to by Hubert de Chivanchy, her friend and personal designer, make her one of the most influential cultural icons of the last decades or even the last century. So I think Audrey Hepburn is really someone whose story you should know because, as I said before, don't judge a book by its cover because she went through a lot and she still had like this lightness, this elf-like quality to her when she was on screen. She didn't seem burdened by anything. She seemed like really innocent and charming. So... Yes, don't judge a book by its cover. So Audrey Hepburn was married twice. Her first marriage was to Mel Ferrer, whom she got to know and love during the work on the Broadway play Undine that they both starred in. And they got married the same year in Switzerland in Bürgenstock, which is a really small and sheltered village now being invested in by the Qatar royal family, actually. And according to their son, Sean, Mel Farrow wanted to give Audrey some shelter from the world and the pressures of Hollywood. After her severe malnutrition during the war and her constant working in movies and stage plays, which she put herself a lot of pressure under. And Switzerland was remote from all that trouble. It was nature. It was a complete different world where Audrey Hepburn could just be herself away from the pressures that she, you know, put herself or others put on her. And it became a focal point of living. They actually later moved to the Lake Geneva because of the milder climate. Because in Bürgenstock there was like a lot of snow. It was really tough in wintertime and Audrey was not liking it. So they went to the Lake Geneva, which is a beautiful region to live in. Still, Mel Ferrer and Audrey Hepburn divorced some 14 years after the marriage. Audrey met her second husband, I think the same year that the divorce was finalized. It was an Italian psychiatrist by the name of Andrea Dotti. During the cruise that Audrey took, they married and they had another son. But both parties were unfaithful during their marriage and it also ended in divorce. That might be the only thing where people could say, like, frown upon. 
So after that, Hepburn didn't marry anymore, but she was in a committed relationship with Robert Walters. He was the widower of Merle Oberon, which was also an old Hollywood actress. And Autry was quoted saying that these were the happiest years of her life and that she considered themselves married, although not officially. So she's known for her elegance, for her style, for her movies. But Autry Hepburn is also known for her humanitarian efforts. When she was starving during the World War II, she received help from international aids. And thus, when she was older and had the means to do so, she joined the UNESCO efforts as an ambassador. She traveled to countries like Somalia, to the poorest of the poor, and she helped then and there with what she had. And in the interviews, she always said it was, she saw so much suffering and she just wanted to help as much as she could because I think she drew the parallel to her own life. It's always the kids, she said. It's always the kids with the wise eyes who seem to know more than they should at their age. And she really felt that suffering through her bones. And until today, still, her foundation is trying to alleviate some of the pain of some of the poorest in the world. And her son, Sean, is still in the foundation and is helping to have all the money distributed in a way that Audrey would have wanted it. But another thing that shows how big of a heart Audrey Happen had was her relationship to her father. If you remember, she was dumped by her father, as she put it in her own words, when she was six years old and he just left. And they didn't have contact until, you know, in the late 60s, some 30 years later, when she tracked him down in Ireland. And he was not apologetic. He was not emotional. He was not you know, begging for forgiveness or anything. He was emotionally very detached. But still, she kept the line open. She supported him financially. There was no ill will. There was no accusations. There was no grievance. She was just doing what she deemed to be the right thing to do. And that was, I think, truly Audrey. She was, to me, a truly remarkable spirit with a great heart the great clothes did not create her. Her great roles did not create her. They just accentuated her in and out of beauty. And I think she's just an inspiration to always stick to what is right and not lose faith in humanity and in the good things of life. Actually, Audrey Happen died when she was like only 63 years old from a very rare cancer. Um, abdominal cancer and she died in Switzerland. She she had a procedure going on in Los Angeles at Sedacine but then she was like transported back to Switzerland and lived her last days there with her family and got buried there as well. So this is really a story that a movie script could not have thought of. It is a true human story it is full of emotion. It is a lot of tragedy. And if you see pictures of Audrey Hepburn, of footage, as I said before, there's lightness, there's elegance, there is humbleness. I think she was a truly remarkable person. And I hope you see that too. I will have some links in the show notes where you can see her in some screen testing and I think she's just wonderful in there. So, yes, research her a little bit. She is inspiring. Have a good one. 
Bye.